The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash podshock for your free audiobook download. Live from where a sci-fi magazine with David Tennant's face on it costs $7.99 and not four quid. It's Doctor Who. Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. No, I <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, over 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. What blew that? I'm the Doctor. And who are you? And who are you? Outpost Gallifrey and the Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 150, 150, ladies and gentlemen. This is Louis Trapani, and I'm flying solo. <laughs> yes, Ken and James couldn't make it to this recording as difficult as it was. We tried to get all of us together to do this recording, and um, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. So James is currently away from home doing scientific experiments that could put all our lives in peril. Well, something close to that, at least. And um, and Ken's work schedule just didn't work out this week. So um, unfortunately, uh, to get that episode out and uh, to you and to your iPods and other listening devices, I'm here at the controls, flying solo. But this is not to say that Ken or James won't have a part in this episode. They may, and you'll just have to listen to it all to find out. I know Ken wanted to do something special for this episode, being that it is episode 150. Though really, after the Doctor Who Podshock Aftershock episodes, the other episodes in which we broke the episode into two having a A and a B added to their numbering scheme, and all the other episodes that we put out on this feed, our episode 150 was probably actually about 25 or more episodes ago. So this is like really episode 175 or something like that. So rather than celebrating this particular episode, which is more a tradition of printed media, in my experience, than audio or video, I mean, without looking it up, can anyone tell me what the 150th episode of Doctor Who is? Well, that's besides Stephen from Radio Free Scarrow, who probably, um, without even looking it up, can give me the, the production code of it as well. <laughs> but many of you will know what the anniversary episodes are, such as The Three Doctors and The Five Doctors. Also, as many of our longtime listeners and ambassadors know, we are approaching a couple special anniversary ourselves here at the Gallifreyan Embassy and Doctor Who Podshock. Next month, the Gallifreyan Embassy will be turning 24, believe it or not. Yes, we'll be heading into our 25th year, hard to believe. So we hope to have a special show to celebrate that. And this summer, this show, Doctor Who Podshock, will be celebrating its fourth anniversary. So we can all do a special episode to honor that as well. Now, last weekend, we had a special Second Life meetup. 
It was our second Second Life meetup. And for those that don't know or haven't been listening to our most recent podcast, Second Life is a virtual community, a virtual 3D environment, which no matter where you are, if you have broadband access, you can come together. It was a way to facilitate a meeting of our listeners and ambassadors, and um, any Doctor Who fan that would like to participate could join in with us. It was an, a whole day affair, though. We did take a few hours, about four or five hours, that we designated as a special meetup where we had uh, a live DJ with um, dancing, and it was um, we had a fabulous time. It was fantastic, and it was even better than our first one. The turnout was incredible. Well, right now, I'm not going to go too far into discussing it, because I'd rather do that when James is on board, since both uh, James and myself was there on hand at the event, as well as many other of our regular contributors to Dr. Hupachak, such as Dave A.C. Cooper, Ian Bissett, both of which are uh, respectively do work on the CIA podcast. They do a fantastic job there. Uh, many others. Special thanks to Nick, Terry, Victor First, HBK, for their help in putting this together for us, as well as Merlin McCauley, who originally suggested the idea back on our first meetup on Second Life back in 2006. So as I said, we'll have more about this in a future episode, but if you missed it, there are going to be other opportunities for you to join us. No matter where you live, as long as you have broadband internet access, you can join us and join in the fun. Everyone has been asking us to do this on a regular basis, so to that end, we're shooting to do this as a seasonal event. Last week, being the spring meetup, we can do it again this summer in August, then again November-ish for our autumn meetup. Well, actually, we won't even be labeling it by the season because our good friends uh, down under have different seasons, So, and they're welcome as well. It's uh, Like I said, it's a... It's, it's, it's an event that we try to encourage everyone, no matter where you are or what time zone you are, will have a chance to, um, an opportunity to come together in one virtual space and meet us. Uh, there's, if you have a microphone attached to your computer, you can speak via um, the microphone. So it's, it's almost just like talking to each other in a very casual way. It's um, it, it really you just have to experience it. Second Life is free to tr you can just you don't need to purchase a membership. You can just use it, the client for free. Like I said, the only thing you do need is to have a computer capable of running the application and broadband internet access. Let's go into the news. BBC shows such as Doctor Who and Torchwood could be shown on YouTube. The Telegraph is reporting that talks are underway between BBC Worldwide and YouTube that could mean seeing shows such as Doctor Who, Torchwood, Top Gear, Planet Earth, etc. in the internet video sharing site that we all know as YouTube. These would be full episodes, not just clips. And no particulars are given as far as um, if it would be locked down by region or not, or how long it would take for these episodes to make their way to YouTube after they transmitted on the BBC. Only that it would make their way, you know, after the BBC transmission. So it wouldn't be a um, simultaneous type of thing. It would be after the BBC has has shown it, then it will make their way to YouTube. Uh, this may go a long way to answer a call out. Um, to make these episodes available worldwide on a more timely basis. Now, of course, this is only if the content is not locked down to the UK only, which, judging from the past, could very well be the case, as it was with the BBC iPlayer. Or oh, I should say, as it is with the BBC iPlayer. Uh, 
Now, we recently participated in a multi-podcast effort or a multi-podcaster effort in a recent WhoCast episode, which um, which is available now. Yes, it's um, episode 119 of the WhoCast, which has a segment in which we participated in. It's actually a part... It's actually part two of two episodes, episodes 118 and 119, or 118 and 119 of the WhoCast, which, among many other Doctor Who podcasters, we joined the chorus in discussing the need in making new Doctor Who episodes available outside of the UK in a timely way so that all fans can enjoy the new material. Uh, recently, the most asked question that we get all the time is if we know when the specials are going to be shown in the U.S. So it's clearly a problem. There are fans that are hungry for it. I'm not going to go into it all here. We discuss it on, in, well, we have discussed it in previous Doctor Who episodes, but most recently, we, as I just noted, we have a segment in this uh, special WhoCast two-parter, episode 118 and 119. So if you haven't checked it out, it's uh, Doctor Who Online, the WhoCast it's another fine podcast. Check them out, and you can hear what we had to say there. As I record this right now in the UK, the Doctor Who production team and cast and crew are having the Doctor Who wrap-up party for a production of the specials that wraps up the conclusion of David Tennant's role as the 10th Doctor. So it's... um. You know, at this time, it's always a little bit, you know, it's, 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 I don't want to say bittersweet, but sad and, and, and happy. I mean, we're, we're happy for David Tennant. We're very appreciative of, of the work that he's put in. It, it's sad seeing him go. It's, it's also exciting because we know we're on the cusp of something new and different. And that's always exciting as well. We do want to wish David Tennant well on all his future endeavors. And that goes to the same with Russell T. Davies and all the production team, cast, crew, writers, everyone that had worked on the past uh, David Tennant era of Doctor Who. Their efforts are much appreciated. And um, we're hoping that, um, you know, we're looking forward to what's coming ahead with Stephen Moffat and Matt Smith. But a, um, a note of recognition to David Tennant and his uh, past, was it four years now? As the doctor, it's uh, nothing to sneeze at. So cheers to David Tennant and Russell T. Davies. And we're looking forward to Stephen Moffat and Matt Smith. And thank you, everyone, that, that made Doctor Who a reality for all us fans to enjoy and continue to enjoy. Cheers to you all. That's going to be it for the news right now. We'll be right back with more Doctor Who Podshock. Don't go away. Where are you going to go? I got you. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, see what happens when Ken and James aren't here? Yes, this is Sylvester McCoy. You're listening to Doctor Who Pod Shock. Shock Pod? <laughs> it's a shock. Is it Pod? Is there a shock in it? <laughs> You have heard us mention it before. If you love Doctor Who Podshock and you also love British science fiction, be sure to subscribe to our 
other podcasts we do, The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. That's right. Ken, James, and myself team up as we do here in Doctor Who Podshock, but this time we paint with a much broader palette covering all British science fiction. Everything from Blake 7 to Torchwood to The Prisoner, UFO, Space 1999, The Thunderbirds, Tripods, Day of the Triffids, Sarah Jane Adventures, Red Dwarf, War of the Worlds, Tomorrow People, even Doctor Who, you name it. If it's British and it's science fiction, we try to cover it. Find it on iTunes or go to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com or ArtTrap.com for show listings and RSS feeds. The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. Welcome back to Doctor Who Podshock. And we have an interview coming up next with Eliza Roberts, the wife of Eric Roberts, the master of the 1996 Doctor Who movie. But before we do, I do want to thank our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of thousands, tens and thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer, your iPod, MP3 player, whatever it may be, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. It's the same thing. It's an audio format. It's an audio digital file. You play it when, just like you're playing this podcast right now, whenever you wish. So you listen to it whenever and wherever you like. Audible has 50,000 titles to choose from. From every genre, Audible has it covered. Audible has over 1,000 science fiction and technology and over 1,100 science fiction and fantasy titles with more being added all the time. I say that because that's something that might interest you, but you're not limited to that. You can pick anything that you like. There's 50,000 titles to choose from. As I said, every genre, Audible has it covered. You can get a free Audible download when you sign up for a free trial today. Just go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash podshock to get your free Audible book today. Now, I know in the past we covered some of the Audible content of Doctor Who that they had, and also Blake 7 as well. And I know we reached into the past with covering some uh, William Hartnell and I think Patrick Troughton stories. So I figured for today we can do some current stuff. And there's lots of current stuff featuring adventures with the David Tennant Doctor, the 10th Doctor, and one of which is read by Freemer Adjamin. It's called Doctor Who, Martha in the Mirror. It's by Justin Richards. It's an audible book, and it was published last year, 2008. So it's relatively new, but they have, they have lots of newer titles as well. So give a listen. Here's a sample of it right now. Stop it! Janny yelled into the fury. And it did stop. The wind died. The noise was gone. In its place, a large blue box stood solid and confident in an alcove. Janna watched as a door in the front of the box opened and a man stepped out. He was tall and thin, with spiky hair and eyes that were wide with interest and amusement. Hello, the man said cheerfully. What's your name then? But Janna didn't wait. She turned and ran. She could hear her sister's ghost running after her. 
It doesn't look like the most brilliant theme park in this part of the cosmos, Martha said. It looks like a damp, gloomy tunnel. Oh, it's not damp, the doctor said. Well, not really. Not damp, damp. He peered into the semi-darkness. So where are we, really? In a smelly, gloomy, not really damp, damp tunnel, I should think. Pity that girl ran off. What girl? The doctor wasn't listening. He pulled the TARDIS door closed, then marched off down the passageway. Maybe we're a bit early, he said. Early as in they're still having breakfast? Martha wondered. Or early as in the place is still a frontier fort under almost constant siege from either Anthium or Zurugma, and they haven't actually sorted out the peace treaty and built it yet. Once again, you can get your free Audible download when you sign up for a free trial today. Go to www.audiblepodcast.com slash podchock to get your free audiobook today. Or alternatively, you can go to our website, podchock.net or gallifernembassy.org. Both will get you to the same place. And click on the Audible link there for your free Audible book download. Once again, we thank audible.com for their support, and we hope you thank them as well. I must find the doctor. This body won't last long. I need the doctor's body. Sense of humor. No more snoring. You don't need a doctor. Come back to bed, honey. My name is not Honey. Oh, well, what would you like me to call you, then? Master will do. Well... Come back to bed, Master. Last November at the New England Fan Experience 2008, Ken and myself had the pleasure of meeting Eliza Roberts there, wife of Eric Roberts, who, among other roles, is noted by Doctor Who fans for his part as the master in the 1996 movie with Paul McGann and Daphne Ashbrook. Not only is Eliza his wife in real life, she played his wife in the 1996 movie as well, the wife of Bruce, who is the body of that the Master uses for this outing of Doctor Who. Unfortunately, Eric Roberts could not attend the convention due to work commitments at the last minute. Eliza was there for her part and to speak on Eric's involvement as well. We hope to have Eric on our show sometime in the future. Ken and I sat down, well, Ken sat down, I was standing, with Eliza Roberts for a long chat. Here's some of it now. Ken Deep alongside Louis Trapani, and we are here with Eliza Roberts, who is uh, Miranda in the Doctor Who TV movie, as well as the wife of Eric Roberts, who is the mean and evil master throughout that entire movie. And you had an opportunity uh, in the movie to be 
killed by your husband, but uh, we talked a little bit earlier about you had the chance to return the favor at some point. Yes. In another production, did you guys get a chance to kill each other? Yeah, we have killed each other and killed other people we're involved in. There was one where we were a love triangle. It was Eric and me, engaged to be married, and he gets involved with Kelly Preston, and um, it's called Love is a Gun, and someone kill someone in that. <laughs> I don't want to give it away. Um, but it's very surprising who gets killed and by whom in that one. There have been a couple where we've, yeah, we have killed each other a few times, definitely. But you've, uh, you met the, uh, you met your fate in the Doctor Who TV yes. movie at, at Eric's hands. Now, you, you, you go into a shoot for something like that. Um, was that a situation where, hey, I, you know, we, we're looking for this part. It's, it's, it's a small part where you're, you're playing his, his uh, ill-fated wife. Um, as Bruce, and you're just the right person at the right time, like, hey, well, you know, I have someone that's available at that moment, or was there a, a bigger plan involved? That's a good question. Um, in this case, I think the production was just trying to save money, because what happened was they, they probably would have cast it locally in Canada, um, and they probably would have maybe wanted to ship an actress up from L.A., and I was going up there with Eric anyway, so that means they didn't have to pay special for my, my airfare or my hotel room, because <laughs> I was in the room with him. And they just, as they started to go through the process, they realized, well, wait, this is perfect. She's there. She's right for it. So it wasn't, he was not, he didn't know the people in this production well enough to have requested it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the kind of thing where he could say, how about my wife, because he was new to the production. And um, it was sort of more a kind of a casting of convenience, I think. And, um, and, and of course, it was it a big worked. stretch for you to play. As well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what's your motivation? Or anything like that, right? Is, is it um, is it difficult in a in a part like that where that is so small? To um, or is it just simply you just slip into a part and go, yeah. Is it something that you just? You mean in terms of building the character, or in terms of like in what sense? Well, you're you're called upon in a, in a very limited amount of screen time to. Right. Be a certain thing. It's, yeah. Is it well? That's no problem. I I can do it like that. Or? That's, a, that's a really good question too. Because as a casting director, also, which I also am, as you know, um, the hardest roles to cast are the smaller roles. It you you really when you have a larger role, it's in the material. You can show where you're coming from, where you're going, where you are right now. Um, there's all those twists and turns and transitions. In a smaller role, you're right. Sometimes when somebody plays a small role, even a great actor, there can be an awkwardness because you sort of you're sort of disconnected from the material. Just suddenly there you are. This role um, didn't have that to it. It somehow was very easy. The things, the things in it, were so there were such familiar details. It was the thing about the clock, and the you know the whole idea of the. There's your husband, he's brooding and looking out the window, and you say, come to bed. And So there's something very natural about it. Um, and uh, there actually it was so natural and so comfortable that there was a certain point where um, I was supposed to be asleep in bed, and it was taking so long, the setup of the shots and the changes with the contacts for him and his eyes and the things he was trying to capture and all the other things, that I actually fell asleep. Completely. Because you're laying down? Yeah, the director had to wake me up. I mean, I've done plenty of sleeping scenes. I've never fallen asleep before. The director's like, Eliza, you don't actually have to sleep in the sleeping scene. I'm like, I know. You were, you were, you were really getting into the part. Yeah, I was totally asleep. Did you and Eric know what you were getting into as far as um, 
the tradition of Doctor Who and its longstanding um, fandom, and that you would be here in 2008 talking about right. a very, I mean, a very right. small role that you had in a, in 1996 yeah, film. Ago, right, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely not. I have to answer honestly. We didn't know, and I feel kind of bad about it. It's almost like, um, you know, if you have a person who doesn't he hear, if there's a character who doesn't hear and you cast a hearing actor for it, should you have gone to a non-hearing actor? You know, Eric played gay and It's My Party, should that have gone to a gay actor? I feel almost guilty that we, this these roles didn't go to people who were real aficionados of the whole Doctor Who series. You know, I feel bad. Like, what were we doing there? Because someone else would have would have just been so delighted and, and, you know, we didn't know. It's been thrilling to learn about it since, and um, and I understand you know how that can be in a way. This was ahead of its time because now you have the people who are crazy about heroes, the people crazy about Lost. You know, there's that thing again mm -hmm. where you're. It's more. It's part of your life. It's yeah. not just a show that you watch. Um, but we had no idea. We did not know. Yeah, it's it's a different type of culture after Star Trek in the 70s when they started to actually appear in person. Yeah. Prior to that, no one really, you watched a TV show and right. you liked it or you didn't like it. Right. Now it's more than that. People go and they're, they're looking to to, um, to find something out. They yeah. either ask questions or, or try to, um, yeah. to get some kind of information about a character they like. And, yeah. Um, it, it is, it's a different world. So, you know, I'm assuming that he's never seen anything like this, either from the best of the best or any yeah, other movies, no. you know, <laughs> Runaway Train. Hey, we have, I'm going to Vancouver for a Runaway Train uh, convention. It's probably no. not the same. No, it isn't. And and I was asking somebody just today, did this start with the Trekkies and the, and the Star Trek people? I remember when John Landis called me to come to downtown L.A. to the or to Anaheim Convention Center or something, because Schlock was being represented. That was the comedy horror movie that was a kind of a takeoff on a lot of other movies that I starred in for him when I was 17. And he said, um, it's part of the Star Trek convention. There'll be a bunch of Trekkies there. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I was sort of embarrassed to, to say, I was like a Star Trek. Maybe they're just using the word Star Trek for some convention. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even understand until I got there. Yeah. And then I was just blown away. And the, the vast knowledge, I mean, you gotta figure that there's a lot of parents of kids who love this material who are saying to them, if you had that kind of focus and devotion with your schoolwork, you know, wouldn't that be and my my philosophy Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. My philosophy is take your passion and turn it into your life. Just go ahead and do it. Go for it. Yeah. Forget the schoolwork. Yeah. Is that be. what you did? With with my kids, very much so. The things that they were interested in, like my son is a musician, Keaton Simons, and he's on CBS Records. I never wanted him to take his guitar and everything and have it on a back burner. Mm -hmm. And grow up to be, you know, somebody who's forty-five and talented and never did anything I with it. I wished he did. Yeah, so it's just like regrets. go for it. My my daughter's a chef, you know. Wow. She's um, and I just yeah. said follow your passion. Absolutely. Well, there's that saying: if you follow your passion, you'll never have to work a day in your life because yeah. it's not work. That's well, right. I, I can agree. Yeah. You know, from having a career that I enjoy. Yeah, it's, see, that's it, so great. You don't wake up hating going to work. Right. Yeah, and and that can be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be in in a creative mode. You can right. just simply enjoy being an electrician or enjoy Absolutely. being something, you know, whatever yeah. it is that you feel strong. I have about. loved pretty much every job, all the straight jobs I had, just the jobs for survival. First of all, the idea of being able to work for a living is so comforting and it's so great, especially these days. Mm. And then there's always something fun. I mean, whatever it is. I remember punching a an adding machine. And I just love the feel of the buttons. I was like, I love work. <laughs> you know, whatever. But well, I'm sure you enjoy what you're oh, doing now much more. Of course. 
you're, you're a casting director uh, in addition to being an actress. Mm-hmm. Other than casting specifically for, let's say, a television show or a movie, um, now with this brand new world of conventions and things like that, yeah. do you think about expanding and saying, I have some actors or actresses who are in a show that has a cult following, or is there anything Oh, like yeah, that? because now everything's about marketing. Um, you think marketing first, because think about it. People can get things for free. There has to be such a fervor about anything. So if I, if I am looking at um, a list of actors and I'm selling it to my producers or my network or whatever, if there's someone who's involved in something like Doctor Who or one of those things, and I know there's a built-in audience, an audience that will see anything that person's in, right. I will make sure that there's a note on all of the material so that they understand to look at that person like as if they're the biggest star in the world. Um, because they bring with them an audience. Yes. That's what every show needs. And you know, sometimes you have a producer who's well aware, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I love that person because they geeked up about it." Yeah, and sometimes it's a totally separate world. They have no idea. I think it might be easier now that you you will have younger producers mm-hmm. who grew up as followers. It's in Absolutely. Doctor Who. Yes. We know that the current producer and the forthcoming producer yeah. grew up watching the show See, it's so, great. so when you say I want to do this and, and heroes learned that lesson yeah. actually very well in, in having George Takei Eric Roberts yeah. um, Christopher Eccleston's sure. show yeah. they knew to tap in yep. and so there's, there's this yep. networking thing going on now where yes I'm a fan of the, all those actors so yep. why wouldn't I watch this show I know it's so good we had one guy who guessed it oh gosh I wish I could remember who it was lovely guy he, he did a guest shot on Less Than Perfect, Eric's um, sitcom. And he had just a small role. We had guests every week. And the audience, they were turning people away. We didn't even know why. And he said, oh. And we had heard he'd gone to a signing convention. Um, gosh, I really wish, because it was for Doctor Who. <laughs> so who was it? I'll, 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 I'll look on okay. IMDb. But he, That's a he, homework assignment yes, for everybody. Yeah, because <laughs> we'd heard he'd gone to a signing convention. And... Um, and we found out it was for Doctor Who, and he himself had been a huge Doctor Who fan, and then was cast in a role in one of the Doctor Whos, was so excited about that, and then brought his whole following with him As an, for this guest, guest show. Yeah, they ended up, he ended up doing an arc. He was going to do one episode, he did like four or five. Mm-hmm. Because of that, they realized mm-hmm. what they had. It was something. Yep, but you're right. On Heroes, we discussed it a lot. The, the young writers and producers, they know. They were tapped into that then oh, yeah. in advance. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> There's, and I'm going to ask you to speak for your husband a little bit. Sure. Um, there's some conflict as to whether he was a Doctor Who fan prior to being in the show or not. Right. Can you shed any light? Sure. On? Well, why is anybody saying he was? <laughs> <laughs> I believe he was at some oh, point. Oh, well, that's Eric. So, I'm sorry. He, I think maybe he was putting on the brave face and saying. I think uh, it could be that, or it could be that he he just has the timing off. He became a Doctor Who fan in his mind. He already was. He's got quite a child's imagination and no sense of time at all. <laughs> you see, no, he strikes us in a, in a serious way that he wouldn't be childlike in his imagination yeah. because may, maybe because he plays certain Such parts that are that are so deep and so rough. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. No, because to, to be able to go that far to where you're pretending so much that that convincing, it's just like if you see kids who go, okay, let's play pretend and suddenly they just completely transform. Well, Eric, Eric still has that. You know, he will, he just is gone into a character. And um, there is, even if it's a very adult character or very sinister, um, it's the child in him that can take him there so totally. 
you know, just so completely without, mm-hmm. without really, he, it blurs the lines for him. Reality goes and something else. So he do he was not, he was aware of Doctor Who. We did tons of research the second he got cast. I mean, that's really? the first thing that we do. But it doesn't sink in in the same way as if you kind of get hooked on your own and... and did you watch any with him in that research? Or were yes. you like, oh, God, this is something really weird? No, no, no. No, I, no, I watched with him. I, I, it's, in order to get him to watch, I really had to. Same with Heroes. He hadn't seen Heroes. And we had to jam on all those. I mean, luckily, Keaton and Morgan's friends and then Keaton. Keaton really knows Heroes, so he gave us the tutorial. Oh, okay. So he helped right. sell it then. Oh, he totally sold it. Yeah. He has sold to Eric, you know, because, you know, he's, he's in music and stuff. He sold the Killers video. Eric had never heard mm. of the Killers. Killers video, Ja Rule video. Um, Mariah Carey, Eric New, and Brett Ratner called us, so that was you know, kind of a no-brainer. But um, Heroes, for sure, because Eric was just like, I don't know, I don't, it's so quick, and it, you know, Keaton, he wouldn't have done it without Keaton telling him to do it. Now, for, for our, just for our listeners' sake, he, um, Eric has been cast for an upcoming appearance of Heroes? Or he did in, an arc in, was it season one or season two? He did six episodes in one of the seasons, and you. then they just brought him back. Okay, that's what I heard. I heard he was coming yeah. back on Heroes. Yeah, so they just okay. brought him back. Yeah, so there was a little confusion. Yeah, and what's so cute is with um, with all of our friends who are Heroes fans and family, um, I'm not. I wasn't even allowed to say that he was coming back because they never want to know what's going to happen in the episodes. Mm-hmm. Sure. They wouldn't look at scripts. They wouldn't look. You're not supposed to show the scripts to anybody, but we did offer, but they wouldn't. <laughs> and um, I couldn't even say where what set I was on. I couldn't even say like at one point, Keaton Collins is like, "Hey, Ma, where are you? You on the side of the hill? You know, in the valley or Hollywood?" I couldn't even say I was on the hero set because he would have killed me. Because knowing that Eric's character was coming back, he wants to He would have blown it. Oh, yeah. really? So he yep. still doesn't? Even though it was a flashback. Said, well, the first episode aired, so thank okay. God now I'm allowed to so say that. So now you're the there. cat's out of the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're off the hook now. You know, yes. Know what will be but Doctor Who we researched, but Doctor Who, because it's so complex... And there's so, so much of history, it. Yeah, yeah there, you can only get a certain amount just, to really yeah. absorb. And when he did um, Heroes with Christopher, he just picked Christopher's brain the whole time. He asked him so many questions. He wanted to know what they'd both been part of. You know, more about it. Really? And he'd already done it, but he wanted to know more, yeah. He's like, can you believe this thing that we've been involved in? Yeah. And you should see people's reaction as they walked the lot together. People seeing them together, two people from from different doctors. Especially two different doctors. Oh, my gosh. I would love to have a picture of something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of of photos of them on set together, Mm -hmm. obviously. And... um, and, you know, all their scenes and, and everything. And especially because there were special effects there. They did a whole thing where they froze the frame and then Christopher disappears and comes back. So there's a lot of pictures of all the giggling that goes on whenever you do that. Wow. Yeah. Hey, would he ever consider coming back? Would you ever encourage him? I would totally encourage him. I mean, there, you know, and he wouldn't even need very much encouragement because... See, because the fans really these conventions and seeing the scarves and the and the people and the children, the bonds between ch- parents and children, where no one's forcing anybody, but it's something they really truly share, genuinely share, mm-hmm. and and the the intelligence um, that goes into it. I mean, he's really glad to be part of it. That was actually a question I had. If you guys really realized that, it, yeah, that it wasn't just a part, and and do you think yeah. that this is probably. If if there was a something that people would remember for a really long time, you think this would be it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because I mean, he's you know, in an Academy Award nominated movies and I things know. like that, and and all these you know these accolades. Well, it was just in the summer blockbuster, right? Yeah, I, I really, I mean, I mean, sure. Dark Knight. Jeez, I mean, 
Yeah, but this is a phenomenon. This is a phenomenon. It's it it's sort of the first interactive thing that there's been since way before the internet and before you could, you know, log onto a website and mm -hmm. all that other kind of stuff. This was that. Yeah. Pe it, people made it that by participating mentally and being invested in that way, which is why it can go so far and it can be so big and sort of over the top in certain aspects because you go right with it. And, you know, at its core, there's really something there. I think it's, um, there's something just, it's true storytelling in that sense. So, so yeah, I, it's, it's, I, I, I think I still don't grasp, and neither does he, the full scope of it, but we're sort of getting the picture, and there's something very exciting about that. Yeah, I was always curious, and, and, and I asked this of, of Daphne Ashbrook, and I would ask mm -hmm. this of, of Paul McGann as well, because it was a, you know, a one-off situation right. that, where it wasn't a, a full run, right. and because so many uh, American actors were involved in it, yeah. did they understand that outside of the United States, in the United States it's a real, it's a real small cult classic, yeah. But that it is a worldwide phenomenon, yeah. and and was there an appreciation of that? There wasn't then as much. There was some. Remember, we shot in Canada, which feels <laughs> a little bit more like part of the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Canada, as much as they speak English and sounds like American English, it is a foreign country. It, yeah. There's so many mm -hmm. different differences. The the whole temperament, and then certain things in the language, and you know, it's different. And you feel more connected to the outside world. So a little bit since we're in Canada, and the director was British, right? Well, Philip Siegel was the producer, the director yeah, was Greg, Gregory Sachs. It was Gregory, yeah, yeah Gregory Sachs. Sachs. I think he's British. Or maybe he's American. Well, we can look on IMDb and see. <laughs> I think of him as being British, of course, probably because it was Dr. O. Yeah. Um, but he, um, there was, a, and we, we're in Europe a lot, so we sort of get that. Um, but I think that there, there wasn't, now the world is smaller because the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, now you have all the blogs and the people and the people yeah, who write. Yeah, you can Google it and see what's going on. Yeah. What's really fun about Doctor Who, though, is the surprising Americans who are into it. Um, like, there's a there's a great stand-up comic. Her name is Bethany Dwyer. And her mother lives in a town somewhere, you know, outside of Chicago. And really spends a lot of time in the home and so forth and so on. And is a huge Doctor Who fan. Now, how it found its way to her, I don't know. Because it's not sort of part of everything, you know, the kind of fair that she watches. Mm -hmm. And we have met many people where we're just like, oh my God, that's the thing. That's their that's thing. The thing. And, we, and we didn't know. And so I wish it had been, you know, one of the British productions. And it's just, you know, not a one-off or whatever. But Well, they, the classic uh, series lives through now. They have these audio dramas. I don't, you know, they're called Big Finish. There's a company oh, called Big yeah, Finish that puts yeah. out... Um, stories because it's strictly the audio medium. Right. If an actor looks different or perhaps perhaps a little bit older or something, right. you don't have to wear costumes. The special effects are in your mind because it's, you know, look at that giant green thing. Immediately right. you're, you're thinking, yes, giant green thing. Right. Um, oh how. Great. Where many of the actors have returned, so I'm curious to know if there's yeah. a, a chance that there will be you the know, possibility of a return. You know. I just heard about that today. I heard about it from you, but I also heard about it from somebody else today. Didn't know it was happening. And I was thinking, I wonder whom even to call about that, because they have not approached Eric. Not that he has a different agent now. Who knows if they know how to find him, but I would imagine they can find him. Um, they haven't approached him, but he would just jump at doing that. First of all, he um, I'm addicted to books on CD, and mm -hmm. you know people get them on their iPod. I haven't even you know gotten to that yet. And I just we do so much driving and so much traveling. I just listen to them all the time. And Eric loves radio dramas, loves them. 
I mean, you know, it's like the old-fashioned kind, any kind. He so often pulls into our driveway and, and um, into our garage and just sits listening to finishing listening, whatever. So he'd love to do something like that. And I, you know, I always thought that there would be, there would never be a market for something like this. Yeah, you'd think. Going back to, um, you know, f- for years saying, oh, right. yeah, there's no, you know, people now, they have television, they have the internet, they have this and that. Right. But there's something very old-fashioned about it. Yeah. And something that, again, in the car, you can't watch TV in the car. That's right. And many people, can, even if you have a short commute distance-wise, yes. you can be stuck in traffic for four hours. Absolutely. And you're an L.A. person, you get that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so you could wind up yeah. listening to two hours worth just yeah. trying to go four miles. Yes, um, so true. And so there's, there's something nostalgic about it, and people really get into it. And Doctor Who fans get it. Yeah. It's amazing doc- yeah. how, how Doctor Who fans, are, both of us, you know, can sit and say, no problem, we can listen to this because... Yeah. The special effects are in our imagination, but there's there's the voices of the people we know, and it doesn't right. matter that someone from 20 years ago can't fit into a costume. It doesn't right. matter, right? Exactly. You know, or they got gray that. hair or something. It doesn't yeah. Matter. See, that's so great, and also it's like you know when you're a child and somebody's reading you a story, and you get involved in the story. There's something about that that's just yeah. nothing touches that. It's just perfect. Well, I hope if he gets involved in this, I hope that you'll say to him that we brought it up and I said to you, gosh, he's got to get into this because this is really great stuff. Yeah. So if the Big Finish people are listening, we told them first. Yeah, well, now, now I know where to go. It's Big Finish. That's right. Yeah. Big okay. Finish is the name right. of the company. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, and they're, they're in Britain. And they've okay. put, they, they actually started prior to this revival that you see on TV now with right. Russell T. Davies and this, this brand new series. Uh-huh. But they were the ones really kind of keeping it alive for a while, in addition to people who wrote books and things like right. that. Right. And some of the writers of the new series have come out of either writing books or writing these audio dramas right. because the people putting the new show together said, who do we have that knows Doctor Who? Right. Well, people who, who grew up watching, who got into television, who were inspired to go into things like this because of being a fan of something they feel so passionate what you mentioned right, right. that hey how do we make this our how do we live our dream how do right. we get involved in this how do we make this a career so. that's so good that's really good oh, I'm definitely going to get in touch with them and I hope that you'll you. both you and your husband will know that you know many of us got involved in, in the careers that we do or, or think and act creatively because of right. we're inspired by the people who have been involved in this over right. so many years that's so good so your podcast people know your stories of how you guys got interested in stuff right oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, it, we can't help but explain it because right. we're we all fans all share a common thread yeah about how they discovered it or what it is that hooks them in right you know a show that has endless possibilities right well that clearly your mind is the type of mind that says i believe anything's possible yeah yeah, I'm not. Oh, I think that's why many fans get into the radio dramas and the audio dramas because they have an open mind because the right. show has such an open format and the window of, of opportunities that the story can go anywhere, anytime. So yeah. you have to have an open mind for that. Yeah, just yeah. like Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who fans are all you know uh, understand that uh, they're bookworms and yes. they want to read because yes. that's how they you know they're they're, so they're into opening their minds, they're into learning. Yeah. Well, the same thing. You have an open mind about listening to something. That yeah. there isn't a picture there. Yeah. I'm sure that wouldn't work for other things where right. people would be like, I don't get it. Why am I doing this? You know, like, Absolutely. The things were missing instead of that you're, you, there's something you can add to it by just using your imagination. That there's a positive that, instead of a negative. That it was less than. Instead. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I think is really great about the Doctor Who community and other things where it's a complex story and you get really involved, 
is the the whole non-judgmental air like all you need in order to feel safe and have respect for each other is a common interest in knowledge um, because you see all sorts of people who you know there's a there's just a friendly atmosphere and it's and it's very trusting and very connected and that makes me really happy like that and Eric also noticed that um, you know just the idea of people gathering coming together instead of competing judging you know being horrible to each other you know like for instance in the sports world let's say or whatever where it's so it, it's about so many unimportant things and people are so quick to shut other people out and this is exactly the opposite there's it's really embracing the 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 that Community. common ground did yeah. you guys see the movie um role models no yeah. um because there it does deal with that there's a kid in it um and uh he basically you know his family doesn't quite understand him and he doesn't quite understand them but he has this community of it's it's some you know he plays some game that's from the <clears throat> from a video game and it's a community of kids who and people and adults and all kinds of people who all come together to do this and they have each other and it's really really great so that if you're feeling kind of out of step with the world because you know how brutal the world can be in high school and elementary school just in general mm -hmm. you know our business any business and so that I really love. I love the whole, I mean, if you look here right now in the lobby downstairs, you all know. All walks of life. Yeah, all mm -hmm. walks of life, absolutely. Who are gathered for, for something. It doesn't matter yeah, who you are ages. or where you came from. I know. And you people, have a common bond. Yes. And people are dressed in, are they're dressed up in costumes and stuff. The, the lack of inhibition, that's also great. I mean, it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm leading into something here, but I, I take it you come from a... Um, from an, uh, growing up from an opinion on the left, yeah. should we say. <laughs> uh, and, and the yeah. reason I ask you that is that your, your mother, and we only learned this moments ago yes. to show It's a Small World, is a legendary radio figure. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Well, her name is Lila Garrett. It's two R's and two T's, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. -T, a Lila. fellow podcaster, we might yes. add. Yes, L-I-L-A, Lila Garrett. She started off... Um, at Yale Drama School, and she was an actress on Broadway and off-Broadway, and then a director, and then she started writing Bewitched and Get Smart and all those shows, uh -huh. and we moved from New York to L.A. because of that, and um, and then she moved on to our, uh, All in the Family and Archie Bunker's Place, and, and it's a natural segue for a lot of people mm -hmm. in, in the business to kind of go into either they become shrinks or they go into <laughs> politics, <laughs> and she... Um, you know, she's always been part of the sort of left community in, in our business. And now she's got a radio show, Connect the Dots, it's called. And she interviews everybody. And she interviews people, you know, in the arts and then people in politics, heavy-duty people. She's, mm -hmm. you know, she's very close with Ted Kennedy and she's... Um, She's really, really right up there sitting in a big in his, way. Tom in, his home, in his hometown, Ted Kennedy. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We, we sure are. We mm -hmm. sure are. Um, but she, um, yeah, she is very active. She's she just turned 83, and she's saving the world, I guess, for her grandkids. And it is surprising and, and an inspiration that someone who is 83 yeah. has the steam to yeah. keep going because people who are half her age yes. are like, I'm, I'm pooped, I'm out of this. Yes, absolutely. That's amazing, and yeah, it's inspirational. Thank yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. 
and yes. and you and your husband. We want to thank you, and we're going to look yeah. forward mm-hmm. to speaking with him in yes. the future. Yes. Yes. Being that he was un- unable to come to the convention at the last minute due to yes. work commitments, but uh, work commitments are always a good thing, as we know yeah. when it comes to yes. acting. Yes. You know, <laughs> actors are always waiting for that part and, yes. and ready to go. But we're going to have a chance to speak with him in the future. Yes. Uh, thanks to you, and that was, and that's wonderful. And thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. And yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. And, and for making yeah. the effort to still come. You easily could have ditched out of coming to the convention. Yeah, no, I thought if it had any meaning to anybody, then I should definitely be here. Well, we, we as fans always appreciate how both you and Eric are very committed to um, to con- going to conventions, committed to the fans, and yeah. we've forgotten. Once we announced that both you and um, Eric were going to be here, we got a lot of feedback from our listeners, like, "Oh, great guests!" They were you uh, were both in Los Angeles for Gallifrey, Gallifrey, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it was, yeah. yeah. And uh, the, the feedback that we got from, unfortunately, we weren't at that particular one, right? But we got very positive feedback from oh, your presence there. Good, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, you guys have to go to one of those. That was. Oh, like, we were there just this past we February. Were. Yeah. We, we're going. We, our first week. one was the one right after you guys, oh. and that was, we were like, "Oh man!" Because yeah. all we heard about was how amazing it was. Oh, um, good. But we've committed to being there every year now. So at some point, good. I'm sure they'll have oh, you guys definitely. back around. Yeah. Being yeah. that LA is your town, uh, yeah. You know, if there's no, a, we'll, a few we'll minutes, we'll we'll see. You. Yes, we'll be there, and I'll get him for this for sure. Awesome. Uh-huh. Thank well, you so much. Thank you so much for being here on Doctor Who Podchuck. We'll be right back after this. Hey, remember when trying to find something to listen to was a chore? Then came podcasts. Now you can find just what you want and listen to it when you want. Your audio, your way. Doctor Who Pachak is made possible in part by listeners like you. We want to say thank you for all those that have and continue to support the show through the years. You can do the same by visiting podchock.net and click the donate link. Thank you, Dave Cooper, for your recent donation. Your support helps make this show possible. back with Dr. Who Pachok. Well, I have to be honest, I was here all the time, so I don't know if you had left and came back. If you did, welcome back. Now, this section of the show is usually dedicated to our feedback, and I'm going to hold off on the feedback until Ken and James are back. So please be patient. If you did send us feedback recently, we will get to it. I just feel it's better that both of us, or at least one other person, is here to address the feedback than just me, myself, and I. In the meantime, please continue to send your feedback to us at feedback at podshock.net. Or you can use the Doctor Who Podshock public call box by calling us at 206-600-6517 and leave your audio feedback there. If you ever left a voicemail message, it works the same way. Once again, that's 206-600-6517. Alternatively, you can also send us your feedback, your audio feedback, that is, by using Skype or the Gizmo Project as well. On a related note, our good friends at the Starship Sofa had sent us this piece of audio that we would like to play for you. Hi, everyone. This is Tony C. Smith from Starship Sofa Podcast. 
I just want to give you a little heads up to what's been happening at Starship so far this week. We ran a story by science fiction writer Michael Bishop. It's called Vinegar Peace. And it was wrote two years ago for Michael's son, Jamie Bishop, who unfortunately died at the Virginia Tech shooting. This story means a lot to Starship Sova, and I do hope you'll come over and have a listen to it. There's also a little introduction that Michael wrote that I'll get narrated as well. I'd just like to play that now for you. I wrote Vinegar Peace in August of 2007 because I had to. Our 35-year-old son, Jamie died on the morning of April 16, 2007, as one of 32 victims of a disturbed shooter on the campus of Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia. Jamie, an accomplished digital artist who did lovely covers for four or five of my books, was holding forth in room 2007 of Norris Hall in his German class, more than two hours after his eventual murderer had already slain two students in a dormitory on another part of campus. The administration failed to issue a warning, a warning that might well have saved many lives, in a timely fashion. However, some of its members secured their own offices and notified their own family members of this initial event, and so the worst school shooting in the history of the United States claimed our son, four other faculty members, including a man, Dr. Librescu, who had survived the Holocaust and who held a table against his classroom door until all his own students could escape. Four of Jamie's students and 21 other young people in Norris Hall, not to mention the first two victims in West Ambler Johnston dorm. Another 28 students were wounded by bullets or injured leaping from upper story windows. Some of these young people will live with their injuries the rest of their lives. All of the administrators, with the exception of a woman who later died of a stroke or heart attack, a death that my wife and I can't help but attribute partially to the stress of living with the mistakes of the president and the other policy group members, remain in their position. So much for accountability, and so much for justice. In any case, vinegar peace grew from this disaster and from a grief that I can't imagine ever laying totally aside. Jerry and I mourn Jamie's loss every day in some private way, and we think continually of all the other parents and loved ones of the slain and injured who will carry a similar burden with them until they die. We think, too, of the parents and loved ones of the dead and wounded from the United States optional war in Iraq who long for their dead and who pray for their injured with an intensity not a whit different from our own. How ironic that our son died on American soil. How sad the wasted potential and disfigured lives resulting from violence everywhere. And forgive me the inadequacy of these remarks. Clearly, I wrote a story because I could not address either my outrage or my grief in any other way. Mike Bishop Again, can I say, Starship Sova is very honoured and so humbled to be allowed to bring this story to a wider audience. You know, I know I speak for the science fiction community when I say our hearts and prayers go out to Mike and Mike's wife, Jerry, and all the families who have to live with this grief every day. You know, I do hope you'll come over to Starship Sova and take a listen to the story. And there's a poem there as well by Michael for Jamie. It would mean a lot to me and everyone at Starship Sova. Thank you. And thank you. Yeah, it's always difficult living with 
in the aftermath of a loved one who had passed away, especially when um, when they have passed away at a younger age than they should have, at a younger age than one would expect to lose someone. So it's always a difficult experience. So you might want to check it out. It's Starship Sofer. I believe it's number 82, Michael, uh, Michael Bishop. And if you're listening to the Hands podcast, the link will go to that particular episode. If not, go to starshipsofer.com. And I, like I said, I believe it's episode 82. Well, this show's coming to an end, but before we do, a special sneak preview announcement. Well, there's no preview really, but just a <laughs> an announcement nonetheless. As I mentioned earlier in the show, next month, June marks our anniversary for the Gallifreyan Embassy. And back on our 20th anniversary, we we initiated a new website. It was a we had a, a static page prior to that. And in 2005, on our 20th anniversary, along with this podcast, we also initiated a new interactive website so that people could interact. (laughs) And people have been doing that ever since. But um, since that time, our site has gotten a little dated and it's time to update the site. And now that we're entering our 25th year starting next month, we want to do that. So we're planning an unveiling of a new website. The address uh, was still the org, but the new site should go live next month. So stay tuned for that. It's uh, very exciting for us and hopefully for you too. Now, with that change, those that have already have accounts with us on our existing site will have to sign up again. Sorry for that. Um, that's pretty much unavoidable, but uh, you'll just have to do that once and to go forward with the new website and all your favorite features will still be there along with some new ones. And, uh, it will enable us to do certain things that, uh, that might be difficult now to do with any change. There's pros and cons. I'm sure this is no exception. So, um, but more on that next month, as time goes on, we'll talk more about it. So that's going to bring this episode to a close. It's, it was an exciting episode, a fun episode. I do apologize that both Ken and James were not here on hand for this. It's not their fault. They were just, um, that, that's just our schedules could not combine. Our schedules could not mesh, rather, so that we could all come together and and record for this episode. So, um, But they are coming back. They'll be back for episode. Hopefully, both of them will be here for episode 151. And until then, cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run GallifreyanEmbassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Opening theme by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Louis Trapani. You can follow Dr. Who Podshock on Twitter at twitter.com slash Podshock. 
This Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifern Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. I need the doctor's body. Mm.